This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. December the 15th, 2023. We're 10 days away from Christmas. Uh, We are back from uh, the trip up uh, to the hinterlands of New England. Uh, My old home went up there for a few days to visit family and friends and uh, had a great time. But we are back. Dan Zampano is going to be with us this morning. Uh, A little miscommunication. Wasn't sure we had him this morning, but he will be here at 9.15 to talk NFL football. Uh, We'll talk about that absolute debacle uh, last night on Thursday Night Football. My God in heaven, that was brutal. Uh, so we'll talk about that, all the surprises from last week's games, and uh, uh, we'll talk about this week's games as well. So that's coming up at 9.15. want to start this morning. Um, obviously, we missed this uh, while we were on our trip, but the Shohei Otani signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, of course, the most stunning part of this, I guess it's not stunning that he got $700 million, although it's kind of ridiculous that he got $700 million. But having said that, um, to me, the most surprising part was that he is deferring all but $2 million a year until after he retires. So the average annual value is $70 million a year. He's going to take $2 million a year. Unbelievable. And his, his thinking on it was, and he and his agents said the following, we, by doing this, we give the Dodgers more money to go out and sign other players, make this a better team, and, uh, you know, it's better for Otani. He never made the playoffs in six years with the Angels, so obviously that is a priority for him. So uh, he thought that this would help the Dodgers do that, which is undoubtedly going to do. Now, the one thing I was glad to see, it's not that Otani's salary is only going to count $2 million against the luxury tax threshold for the Dodgers. It's going to. I think they're going to take a forty-six million dollar hit on that, and it, it, there's some math that's being done, and it basically has to do with the average annual value and how they're spreading it out. So it's it's going to be more than two million dollars a year counting against the tax. It's going to be forty-six, but still, uh, it's going to give the Dodgers more flexibility without question uh, because a seventy million dollar hit's a lot bigger than than forty-six. Um, and what was interesting at the press conference yesterday when they introduced him, Otani didn't come out and say that he had Tommy John surgery. Now, we know he had an elbow procedure. Tommy John surgery is the one that, you know, is the most widely known where they take the ligament out of another part of your body and replace the one in your elbow that's blown out. Um, but he didn't come right out and said that. And it, it, he says, he says uh, it, it, through a translator, he goes, well, I'm not an expert in the medical field, but it was a procedure. <laughs> I'm not sure what it's called. But I know it was completely different from my first time. So he said, you probably want to talk to my doctor about that. Well, the first time we know he had Tommy John surgery. So maybe there was some other kind of procedure done. I don't know. But the doctors are still saying that he isn't going to be able to pitch until 2025. However, he will be able to be in the Dodger lineup as a hitter, as a designated hitter, um, on opening day, supposedly, in 2024. Much like Bryce Harper did for the Phillies uh, this year, where he came out and he was just the DH for a while and eventually came out to play first base and uh, didn't play the outfield because of that procedure on, on his elbow. And it may become a permanent move for uh, Harper, it's looking like. And Otani's probably never going to play the outfield again, which is, of course, when he first came into major leagues, he was playing right field as well as pitching. But those days are over. Um, Look, you know, he's a generational player. He maybe is maybe the greatest player of all time. I think we need to pump the brakes on that a little bit. 
what he's doing is unprecedented. There's no doubt about that, and I'm not trying to say that he's not a special player. But look, this is a guy that's got a 274 batting average in his career. All right, uh, this isn't Babe Ruth numbers. Okay, he's got 171 home runs in six years, 437 runs batted in. Uh, as a pitcher, he's 39 and 19 with a 301 ERA, which is great. Struck out 608 guys in 481 innings. It's great. But I think some perspective is due here. I think the problem is, is, and we do this in this country, in this world today, it's all recency bias. Everything that's happened now is the greatest that's ever happened or the worst that's ever happened, right? Um, and I think we have a lot of that in society today. We for, we tend to forget about history, and people can say, well, you can't compare. Error. Look, Babe Ruth was the greatest player in the history of Major League Baseball, in my opinion, period, the end. You know, uh, you could make an argument for for guys like Willie Mays and for guys like Ted Williams, et cetera, et cetera. But I still think Babe Ruth's the greatest player in the history of baseball. Shohei Otani is special, and but Shohei Otani is not hasn't reached that level yet. Do that for the ten years of this contract. If he can play another ten years and he continue to put up these numbers, okay. Then there's an argument to be had. But until he's able to do that, there's no argument. Babe Ruth is still the greatest player in the history of baseball, period. Uh, it was interesting to find out that the the uh, San Francisco Giants offered Otani the exact same deal he got from the Dodgers. So he picked Southern California over Northern California. That simple. Uh, he's got, obviously got a comfort level being in the Los Angeles area, playing for the Angels all that time. And the look. Uh, here's the thing. The Giants ballpark, beautiful. The problem they have, and Buster Posey talked about this yesterday, the former Giants catcher who was part of the uh, group that tried to woo Otani to San Francisco. He acknowledges, look, San Francisco has a problem right now. They have a problem with homelessness, and they have a huge drug problem. There is, I would be shocked if that did not play a factor into Otani deciding that he did not want to go to San Francisco and deal with the problems that that city has right now. That's not in the Giants' control. The Giants did everything that they could do. The Giant fans can, uh, you know, they can't kill the ownership because they were very transparent about this. Dollar for dollar, they matched what the Dodgers gave to Otani. Interesting, too, a report came out that the Angels actually had an opportunity to match the bid to Otani, and they declined to even try to match it. So they weren't going to go there. At the end of the day, I still think Otani picks the Dodgers over the Angels, even if the Angels had matched, because he wants to win. And Artie Moreno and the, the, the Angels have shown that they are not committed to winning. They have the one of the greatest players in the history of baseball as well in Mike Trout. But they can't put a team around they couldn't put a team around those two guys to make them even competitive. They didn't even make the playoffs, let alone, you know, uh win anything. So, uh, you know, I think this was a done deal. He was going there or he was going to go to somewhere like the Yankees cuz he wants to win. He knows his time is short, and with all the injuries that he's had, he's even said, I don't know how long I'm going to play, and I want to win. Uh, the Dodgers turned around after that, and they made a trade with the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. They are going to get Tyler Glass now and Manuel Margot uh, from the Rays for a couple of uh, young players, uh, Ryan Pepio and uh, uh, Johnny DeLuca, who's an outfielder uh, in the minor leagues. Uh, Pepio actually made his Major League debut in 2022, he was really good uh, and uh, pitched, as for the Dodgers this year, made three starts this year, had a 2-1-1 record, a 2-1-4 ERA, and uh, five relief appearances with the Dodgers. Uh, and this is what the Rays do. If they don't want to pay people, they find a way to make trades, and they get young players back. And I, I'm telling you right now, these two guys are probably going to end up being all-stars because that's just the way things go uh, with the Rays. But the Dodgers aren't done. And supposedly they're in on Yamamoto, the uh, free agent pitcher coming from Japan. Uh, Red Sox are supposedly meeting with him today. The Red Sox have done absolutely nothing in free agency. Fans are panicking uh, after the talk of, hey, we're going to be aggressive, and zips happen. So uh, we'll see. The Yamamoto thing's probably all well, has to come to a head by January 4th 
Uh, but I would not be shocked if uh, sometime next week we find out where he's going to go. Uh, the Tigers made an addition yesterday, too. Ryan, uh, Jack Flaherty is going to join the Tigers on a one-year $14 million deal. He joins a rotation that now has Kenta Maeda in it. Uh, who just signed a two-year deal a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, they've got the young kid, Tarek Skubal. Uh, so the Giants at least uh, trying to make an effort to be competitive in uh, 2024. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano going to join us. We're going to talk NFL football. I can't wait. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 18 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. It's my favorite time of the week. And uh, we are joined by Dan Zampano. Dan, did did we get snow in uh, in your neck of the woods here the other day? I saw there was snow in the hills of uh, Virginia. I was in Stanton, Virginia, the other, uh, Tuesday night in a hotel. I come out in the morning. There's like snow on the sides of the highway, and I'm like, you must have gotten snow up in the mountains up there, no? No, we got a pretty good frost. No, no precipitation. Oh, wow, you're down lucky. Here because we're pretty, we're a little more southern, but you know, it, it did feel. A little more, uh, how you say, Decemberish. I will say, because typically around here it's been in the mid fifties, even into the sixties. Right. Uh, but at night it's definitely getting cold, and cold only means one thing, Gene. You got to play your best <laughs> when it's cold well, in December. Well, let's tell you who didn't play their best last night. Now it wasn't cold in Las Vegas yesterday, but that game last night was. <laughs> look. You knew the Chargers were up against it going into the game. They don't have Herbert. He's out for the season. They're playing, you know, uh, this kid Easton Stick, who's been in the league for five years but never made a start. You knew they were going to be in trouble. But here's the thing. The Chargers are supposed to be able to play defense. And that was the most disturbing thing to me last night. It wasn't – look, I didn't expect the Chargers to score a lot of points. But that defense got embarrassed. Yeah, when I woke up this morning, I was very alarmed to the fact that, huh, they hadn't fired him yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was my first thought. Like, yeah. when I opened my eyes this morning was, ah, oh, did Staley get fired yet? Like, I, I mean, can you imagine they've lost five of the last six games? Right. Okay? And granted, we'll give them, you know, the fact that the last couple of weeks – They've played decent defense. Last week, obviously, with Herbert going down, that obviously is going to, you know, be a difficult task for them anyway. But with with the couple weeks before, they held the Patriots to six points. Who doesn't? You right, know, right. there's no points. Who doesn't? You know, and and but you know, you've seen it time and time again. And if you're Spanos, I, I mean, you've given this guy. Chance after chance after chance. Yep. And when you go on national television last night and he's down 42 to nothing at the half and he does a halftime interview with Kaylee Hartung and she, she says, what has happened in this game? And he said, we aren't ready to go from the get go. <laughs> we're just playing for pride at this point. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, what what world is this guy living in? This has been weeks upon weeks, Gene. It's got to stop. It's all, it's embarrassing yeah, that and, he woke up this morning and, and they haven't fired him. And I'll tell you what, and I saw a headline. It might have – I don't remember where I saw it. But it make it, it – and I don't – I mean, I guess this is an arguable point. But that loss last night opens up a job, at least it should. And, and it's being described as perhaps the most – uh, 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 attractive head coaching job in the NFL, the Chargers. Simply, I guess, because of the talent that they have and where they play, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that, but I still can't believe this guy's still there. And this guy's supposed to be a defensive wizard, right? With the you know Doing what he did with the Rams, and he's supposed to be a defensive guy. You get 63 points. Oh, my Lord. That's what we were told. That's what we were told. And you want to know something? To me, like you would think a team would want to get a jump start on on the on the latest coaches. Yes, start. We work in the room like the Raiders, right? I right. mean, the Raiders are working it. We know about Pierce, and you know, there's a lot of reports that Pierce isn't you know the guy, and that he is the guy, and you know, nobody really knows. But they're working the back channels of the office, of the NFL offices. You would think the Spanoses would want to do that, but then you think about it and you go, no, they wouldn't, the because Spanoses. the Spanos hired. Yeah. 
It's the Spanos. The Spanos yeah. hired Staley on the cheap. Nobody knew who he was right. coming out of coming out of the Rams. You know, to me, and then you got to look at Tom Telesco as well. Yep. I mean, I don't know how Tom Telesco gets off the hook here when he's the guy that spent all this money on all these big time franchise players, and and they haven't worked out. And he's the guy that hired Staley. Right. So do you give him his fourth head coach? Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah I think how. Spanos has a lot to look at, but I, I don't know if he'll spend the money to do it. Well, I mean, look, the Spanos family, uh, you know, with the way they handled the whole situation uh, in San Diego where they tried to, you know, basically extort the city of San Diego and the way that they have shown their their uh, reticence to spend money uh, for that franchise over the years, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this, I don't think, it, because it's, it's no. really just their modus operandi, I think. I agree. I agree. Uh, so <laughs> that debacle aside, by the way, that, I think I saw that they have this, uh, I don't remember what the hell they call it, but this was like uh, another one of these uh, games <laughs> where uh, this is a unique score, a game had never ended 63-21 to 21 before. What do they call What the hell do they yeah, call the that? Yeah, the Yeah, the Scorigami. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, we've, yeah. Had a, we've had a couple of those in the last few weeks. I've loved that. I love, And it's the first time, I believe, since 1972 so we've had two teams score in the 60s this year. Wow! So wow, that's uh, it, kind of uh, kind of an interesting tidbit because the Dolphins scored 70. So uh, very interesting year. This has been a very weird year. In the well, NFL. and it was a very weird week last week. Um, and I mentioned you off. Yeah, you went you went five and two, and there were upsets everywhere. Um, and I'm going to start one. This was an upset this first game, and we didn't talk a lot about it because it's the Patriots, but the Patriots beating the Steelers last week, and now all of a sudden this yeah. week um, you've got some <laughs> piling on going on in Pittsburgh. You've got Ben Roethlisberger going on uh, and saying that uh, the, the, there's no longer a Steelers way. They've lost their, they've lost their way, and, you know, it's, it's a coaching issue, uh, yada, yada, yada. And then, uh. you know, I mean, come on. I mean, I don't understand what that's all about. But then you've got, you know, Cam Hayward's firing back on. What the hell are you talking about? You know, I mean, you know, he's, Ben's got an opinion. He's entitled to it, but I don't agree with it. And, you know, but then you've got um, – uh, uh, George Pickens going on saying, well, I haven't had a great year this year because the coaching stinks and you keep having me run five-yard routes. So <laughs> so there's there's a problem in Pittsburgh, whether you want to admit it or not, and whether, and whether it means that Mike Tomlin's job is on the line or not, uh, I don't know, but I do know that uh, people are not taking this well in the Steel City. The players are not taking like the the former players and the players that have been disgruntled all year are not taking it right. well. But Gene, I'm sorry, like that team is nowhere near the playoffs no. without Mike Tomlin at the helm. Like there's just I mean, he instills the culture in that building, and you know guys have to buy into it. And I, you know, the Steelers really should take a hard look at. The players that they have, like, yes, Pickens is a great, talented player. Um, but, again, he has shown it time after time after time this year that his body language sucks. He doesn't play uh, the position, you know, 100% of the time. He doesn't want to block. He doesn't want to run certain routes. Right. He's not. He has shown time after time that he has not been about the team. We know that. Deontay Johnson has had some issues this year, but at least he's been fed a little more the last few weeks. Yep. Look, they're hurt. And and I'll tell you the reason, Ben, why this, uh, the Steeler way, he doesn't feel like it's there, because you're not there. <laughs> because they haven't had a quarterback. Right, yeah, yeah. Hello? Right. I mean, like, you know, he not everything can be Ben Roethlisberger. They have to find another way here, and Pickett is the kind of experimental spot, but – if their defense wasn't as good as it was and their coaching game and the way they play the game, right. you know, stick around and in the fourth quarter will win the game, you know, that, that's a credit to Tomlin. So do they need a new offensive coordinator? Obviously, yes. That's, and that's going to be addressed in the offseason, of course. But we can't even – I would never entertain the idea that Mike Tomlin's job is, uh, you, is on the line, you at least not you at this think. point. You wouldn't think. Right. I mean, uh, you know, right. and, and the good news is that it, it, it sounds like for the Steelers that T.J. Watt is uh, uh, 
out of concussion protocol, so that's a, that's a good sign for him. It's a good sign for the Steelers. And look, they're in playoff position right now. It's not like they're you know sitting at five and you know five and ten or something. You know they're they're seven and six, and right now they'd be the number six seed if the playoffs started today. Now, granted, they have a tough road down the stretch because three of their final four games are on the road, right? And they've got to play at Seattle. They've got to play at Baltimore. They've, that's a tough Indianapolis team because and they, Indianapolis is, is, is fighting for the spot with them as well. And they've got Cincinnati at home. So they don't have an easy road down the stretch. And they've really screwed themselves because the last two weeks they've had home games against two win teams and they right. lost both And they games. lost them both, right. right. I mean, I, so that's, that's really – that they really could be in a way better position. They could be in divisional competition. You know, yep. if if they if they got those done. So, but listen, credit the Cardinals for playing well uh, in that building in the in the rain. The Steelers didn't adjust. And you know, Gene, you go back and you think about it. And as the game was going on with the Patriots, you remember the Patriots own the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Belichick has owned Tomlin for their entire career. Right. And the Steelers are who the Steelers are. They really match up well defensively against the Steelers, especially when it's Mitch Trubisky. Right. <laughs> and then offensively, you know, offensively, I think they knew that they were vulnerable with the linebackers, uh, uh, you know, over the middle. And, yep. and they got a lot of plays. And credit to the Patriots. The Patriots made a lot of plays in that game. Yep. Juju Smith-Schuster How about made that? an incredible catch. I think he yeah. saved his entire season to play against the Steelers. Team. <laughs> and then, yeah. And and then Hunter Henry was outstanding. Zeke was incredible. Yep. I mean, Zeke Elliott had, was the player of the game, yep. in, in my opinion. Yep. But his ability to catch the ball, his rundown of that interception saved the entire game. How about game. that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it really did. I forgot about so that. So they got no points off of that. Right. You know, so Zeke Elliott, I mean, and give Zappy credit. He made some throws that Mac Jones would never make. Right. You know? So I I thought it was a great performance by them, and they held it together in the second half. That it was a defensive effort, no right. question, but they did get it done. So I think the Steelers are still capable here, but without Pickett, it's it's going to be hard. I, I agree. Um, it, one last thing on this: we're talking about you know the the coaching issues in in Pittsburgh, if there are any, uh, and but it sounds as though the Patriots have made a decision. It sounds like if if reports mm. if these reports are true I mean Belichick's not going to confirm nor deny which he, he wouldn't confirm or deny if the sky was that the sky's blue but having said that um you know it sounds like uh, he is coaching his last few games with the New England Patriots yeah Tom Curran of NBC Sports Boston reported this that after the Germany game the crafts had made their decision uh so I look I'm not one to question Tom Curran on something. He's three decades in with the team. Right. You know, he, he's got his sources. Um, I do think that at the end of the year, typically how things are done in New England is there's not really meetings, you know, monthly between right. Kraft and Belichick. You know, Kraft will ask questions, Belichick will answer them. But in terms of an overall meeting, uh, that usually doesn't happen during the season. Right. I do think that things will be settled, um, you know, the days after the season is over. Um, I would be shocked if we found out, like, right, like an hour after the game against the Jets that, that Belichick has been let go. Uh, I, I think that this will require, a, you know, a sit down and they have to talk about what the future of the organization is. You right. know, and if he's the right guy to be at the helm, and look, they played inspired football for him last week. That was great. Um, they got to figure out the quarterback position. Yep, that's that's the the main number one thing for them. You know, they they have a, I think they have a decent team around the quarterback spot, except for the offensive line. And I think if they can address those two things in the off season, they could turn this around rather quickly. But Look, you're not going to get a better coach on the field than Belichick. You wonder if, though, the football side and the operational side is where they need to make the decision to, to, to make a change. Right. And if Belichick is willing to go along with that change. And if not, you know, it might be sayonara. So I'm not going to question Tom Curran with his sources. I do wonder, you know, if it's exactly decided 
now, though. And and maybe yeah, and maybe maybe these final few games, maybe maybe it does change things. If they finish out, you know, and and finish strong, maybe it makes a difference. You know, a, a Patriot fans are hoping they don't finish strong because they want to address that quarterback issue high up in the in the Which draft. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, That's I, totally ridiculous. Yeah, you know, and and you know, the funny part is, is you know, nobody in that Patriot locker room wants to hear about, hey, you need to lose games so you get a better draft pick. That's it. Look, and there's no NFL team that is going to do that, and we have seen that teams that have two wins, you know, going out and working their asses off and winning some games late in the season. Except for the Chargers. Well, except for the know, Chargers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Chargers, the Chargers don't have a quarterback issue, right? I mean, that's not they. Although, they, no. although you know, the thing is, is that you look at this. Look how long Herbert's been there, and uh, his rookie contract is uh, what he's got one more year, and you know, then there's yeah. gonna then there's gonna have to be some decisions made there, and that's gonna be a very very interesting uh, thing to watch. I think they need a culture change is what they need. They need a whole rehaul of of this roster. You know, you so. almost wonder and and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying Bill Belichick's the guy, but you almost wonder if the Chargers want to fix this. They got to bring in somebody that has the respect that will that will command the respect of players. Don't bring in some, you know, uh, defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. You need to bring in somebody that is going, you know, obviously Sean Payton's not going to be coming in there, but you need a guy, you know what I mean? You need a guy like that that can change yeah. the culture because that's what he's done in Denver, right? So that's almost like if, if the Chargers sure. are smart, that's the kind of thing they need to do. Yeah, I, I don't know who's out I don't know there. Who's there. Yeah. Would do, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, a guy that comes to my mind, and I don't know if he would do it because it would mean the third year in a row that this team loses a defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes has been the defensive coordinator in San Francisco uh, this year after he was he did a great job as an interim coach with Carolina last year. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that was a, kind of an older guy, defensive coordinator, but like, commands that kind of respect right and uh you know hard nose kind of football maybe he would do it it would mean again three straight years where the niners lose their defensive coordinator so that would be kind of tough but i i i don't know i don't know who it is i think belichick is obviously going to be swirled around the los angeles rumors but until we actually know i don't think that that's really a possibility right now let's look at a few of the surprises from last week uh and perhaps the biggest surprise, and, and I said the, and I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. I've been calling them the Paper Lions, the Detroit Lions, uh, get spanked, mm-hmm. spanked by the Chicago Bears, and Jared Goff was putrid. I mean, just putrid. And how do you lose that game? I mean, honest to God, you're you're in a you're in you know position to get a high seed in the playoffs, and they're still the number three seed, but you cannot throw a a turd like that this late in the season. I don't know how other, any other way to put it. You know, Gene, I don't know if we picked that game uh, last week. Uh, um, no, I, we did I, not. I, I, I would have been all over the Bears. That, Which, really? that was that was one of our best picks. Yeah, we had a that was Maddie's number one pick on the show. He loved the Bears outright. That was my second favorite pick on the show. I mean, I loved the Bears last week, and I'll tell you why. Because the Lions' defense is a complete sieve right now. They reverted back to what they were last year in the first half of the season. Yep. Um, uh, you know, giving up plenty of yards to the passing game. The run game is horrible. The, again, the injuries had piled up for them on the defensive and offensive lines. Uh, I, I just, I don't see, I didn't see how the Lions were going to be able to hold up because the Bears defense continues to play outstanding football. Right. Uh, they got a bunch of turnovers, but to me, I think a lot of the blame here has to go to Dan Campbell. I mean, That's what fair. are you doing? Yeah. Running these fourth down plays in your own territory early in the game. Like, you know, you're giving up these field position and then you look at, look, Gene, I- I've been a critic of this guy for a long time, but I have to say the truth shall set you free. And he has been the truth. Justin Field is playing great football. He is. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't never thought I would never thought I would say those words. Right. But Justin Fields is hasn't thrown an interception since he's come back from injury for the last three games. Yep. Um he's thrown the ball with purpose, with drive. They're actually targeting DJ Moore a lot more the last couple of weeks, and it's been paying off for them. So 
you know, that fourth down play that the Bears decided it was incredible almost because the Bears decided to go for fourth down, you know, late in that game uh, to kind of almost clown the Lions for doing it. And they end up scoring a touchdown that put the game out of reach. And it was a beautiful ball by Justin Fields. So uh, I think the Bears are playing outstanding football. And the Lions, man, they got to figure it out real quick because not only are the injuries piling up, but you're right, the turnovers, that's got to stop because they're not going anywhere in the playoffs if that happens. Is, is the way Fields is playing down the stretch, is that going to affect what the Bears do in this draft? I mean, they've got, they're going to have the number one pick from the Panthers. I mean, and there's been the, kind of the, uh, the prevailing wisdom has been that the Bears are going to go out and take another quarterback but do they you know, with that first pick, but do they think twice about that? Gosh, I mean, I, I do. I think it's the most exciting time in the in the world to be a Bears fan, uh, because you look at Fields and you say, "Man, he's playing a lot better. He's probably going to get you a first round pick." You know, yeah. I mean, there's a good chance that you could get you could get a first round pick, and that would mean that the Bears could trade to a team like Atlanta. They have a top fifteen pick. Oof. You know, yeah. so they'd have three top 15 picks in the first round. Uh, and you could really reshape your roster with that. You can get mm-hmm. a quarterback. You can get a wide receiver like Marvin Harrison. You could get an offensive lineman. Mm. You know, you could mm. really do some damage in the draft if you did something like that. But if you don't, you know, what do you do? That's the whole question. Right. I mean, I think you got to trade that number one pick back again and keep collecting those picks. Okay. I mean, I, it's not worth it for you to draft Caleb Williams and, Who's a guy that's worth it to you that's not a quarterback at that number one spot? I don't know. Right. So uh, I think it's a fascinating time for the Bears. Uh, Let's go to another surprise from last week. How about those New York Jets and Zach Wilson, ladies and gentlemen? (laughs) I mean, look, there was talk that Zach Wilson didn't even want to play, right? They wanted to put him back at the starting position. No, I don't want to. I don't want it. And supposedly Aaron Rodgers had to talk with him and talked him into playing again. And look what he does. But the Jets, the, the thing that impressed me, not Zach Wilson aside, the way, that Jet defense was great against Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the story of the wow. game right there was the defense. Right. I think Houston ran into, ran into you know, kind of the, not necessarily the buzzsaw, but they kind of hit the wall. And they've been hitting the wall for – you know, wow, they really escaped the week prior against Denver. Um, even though they did play great in the first half, the second half, Denver kind of figured out their defense. Yep. And, you know, that game was 0-0 at halftime, by the way. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, between the Jets right. and the Texans. <laughs> so everybody, uh, who, by the way, the over-under, I think, was like 36 or 34. Right. And, yeah, right on, of course, right it's zero zero yep. at halftime, and it went over. Right. So people that bet the under are probably kicking rocks this morning <laughs> or that morning. So... Um, you know, but still, uh, you know, you look at the Jets and you say, Zach Wilson kind of just went to himself and said, you know what? I think he said it after the game. What are they going to do? Bench me again? Right. (laughs) You know, I might as well just play. Right, right. Just play, brother. And Garrett Wilson was awesome in the game. Brees Hall got involved. Like, that's that's what the Jets kind of envisioned for right. their future when right. they when they brought all these guys in and they, and it came to fruition there and I think we're starting to see like the fall off of the Texans here like they were a nice story they were kind of like the Bucks in the beginning of the season who were good and they fell off the Texans just did it for longer I think they're starting to fall apart and now with Stroud hurt sounds like Davis Mills is going to play this weekend right you know it, I think it's going to be tough I think the Texans there's too many teams right now that are fighting for that those three spots. If the Texans trip up this weekend, you know, I think it's going to be tough for them. Well, you know, and it's funny, too, with Stroud. I mean, I know he got hurt last week, but one of the things that, that we sometimes forget is that these kids that are coming in that played, you know, that are rookies um, are coming in having never played this many games in a season in college, right? I mean, their their right. season don't doesn't go that long. Not to mention the guys are all bigger, stronger, and faster. I mean, you know, it's kind of it, it would have been unusual if he didn't hit some kind of a wall at some point during the season, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, this is this is what the thirteenth week for him. Thirteenth yeah. week for him. So this would be like Big Ten championship, right? If it was CJ Stroud. So you know, you're you're late into the season, and now. You know, he got, I mean, the, the Texans offensive line, I told you about Howard being out. I mean, that, right. that was a big problem. And they came around the end, the Jets, the Jets front, and just absolutely teed off on him. 
So, you know, and, and like you said, bigger, faster, stronger guys later in the season, this is when rookies start to break down and, and you're starting to see it from well, a guy who should have been, could have been MVP, right? I mean, that's what right. people were saying right. about him, which yep. I, I thought was a little bit, a little bit much, but you know, still, I, I think you have to play out the full string in the full season. That's what typically happens to some of these rookies. So Texans, again, like I said, they're kind of treading water right now. Um, we'll see when they go play Mike Vrabel's team on Sunday. On uh, Saturday. Uh, They're not on Sunday. Yeah. Other surprises from last week. Lazarus has risen from the dead. Joe Flacco, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> three, 311 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns, and the Cleveland Browns upset Jacksonville. And uh, you know what? Trevor Lawrence played like I expected Joe Flacco to play. How about that? He's like, he's like a classic. He's like Peter Frampton. He comes alive, man. I mean, that was fantastic. Like a good vinyl, you yeah. know? Yep. I mean, that was – classics never die, Gene, and Flacco put it on him. You know, we talked about that, you know, where the where the, the Browns need just competent quarterback play. You know, they haven't had that all year. Right. And they just needed a veteran to come in that knows systems, that can play at the speed that they need him to play at. And that's Flacco, man. I mean, he's not going to – you know, he's not going to be – you're all world quarterback, but right now, I mean, at the, his age, well, I mean, he's 15 years in, I think 15 or 16 years in, like, yep. you know, he's a wily crafty veteran and, and he gave you all that stuff. So and Jacksonville's a complete mess. I mean, Lawrence should have never been playing in that game. Right. You could tell he wasn't comfortable the whole game. Yep. Again, another defensive performance by the Browns where they were kind of teeing off on him. So, you know, I, they didn't have car, you know, they, they had a lot of issues, a lot of issues in the game. And, he was under pressure constantly. So the fact that they put him out there was kind of surprising and not surprising the Browns take a W. Uh, is Jacksonville uh, – w- would they sit him this week? I don't think so because, you know, Lawrence is trying to tough that out, you know, and yep. good for him. I mean, you know, he's he's a tough guy. Like, nobody, nobody questions that. I, I do wonder, you know, how comfortable he's going to be in the pocket here with with that situation going on. Here's my thinking. Um, Here's my thinking. All right, they've got Baltimore this week, right? You're not winning. They're, yeah, they're not. They're not winning that game. Problem. All right, but but let's look at their last three games. They play at Tampa. They play Carolina, and they play at Tennessee. Those are all games. You know, if yeah. they, you know, they could go three and one down the stretch. They're going to lose that Baltimore game with or without him, in my opinion. So why not give him a, give him that week off? And see if it helps, you know. And then, because those last three games are all games that that team should win. Well, Gene, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> I, I, well, wish, look, I wish they would think like you. And <laughs> and I I I feel you. I understand. I completely agree with you. But uh, you know, they're trying to win a division. <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, I mean, you you, you kind of like it, they've got the Jaguars coming up the pike. The Colts finally took a step backwards last week, but they're not out of it. You know, right. I mean. Like they're trying to win a division and get get into the playoffs. Like, you know, I understand. You know, uh, but a win against the Ravens goes much longer in a tiebreaker situation than you know wins against those other teams. So, you know, I get it. You want your quarterback to be healthy, and you know, but it's that time of year where you know everybody's banged up, and and you got to kind of fight. To, if you're going to play, last week was the week to do it. Now you got no more time. You got to you got to fight. You know, no matter right. what. So. Uh, the other surprise from last week, and I, you know, the funny part is, early in the season, we would not have called this a surprise, but a team that we pretty much were ready to start throwing dirt on, the Buffalo Bills managed to take out the Kansas City Chiefs last week, and uh, you know, look, uh, you, you could say all you want about that penalty that was that, that offside penalty that was called on the Chiefs; it was the right call, period. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you looked at the re- – he was lined up. He was over over the line of scrimmage when he was lined up. Um, you know, it's and so it was the correct call. But at the end of the day, uh, Buffalo, still alive. Still alive. And, you know, and well. Because, yeah. you know, I, I look at it and I say, look, offensively, they're unbelievable was Josh Allen. Yep. I mean, Josh Allen played as good as he possibly could play and they still only scored 20 points on this Chiefs team. Right. So, you know, to, to me, he's trying as hard as he's playing outstanding football. There's no question about that. Turnovers uh, aside, he's still got, I think the most touchdowns of any quarterback in the league, you know, so there's that, but what's, what's more about this is 
look, if they can beat the Cowboys on on Sunday, and I think there's a chance they can because the Cowboys are coming off a Sunday night huge win against the Eagles where they blew them out. Right. And they're feeling real good about themselves. They're feeling like the cock of the walk, I'm right. sure. Yep. But but this Bills team is not just going to lay down against the Cowboys defense that is vulnerable. There is There are parts to be picked off for them. So yep. to me, I look at this and I say, look, Buffalo sneaks out a – you know, a high scoring win, like almost like they almost did against Philadelphia. Then we're looking at a pretty easy, I think they have the Patriots, uh, the Chargers. We've talked about the schedule. Yep. The Chargers, and then Patriots, I think they the have, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are the, and last, the, Dolphins game. Are the yep. last game of the year. Yep. So, and of course they smacked the Dolphins around the first time they played them. So, right. you know, to me, it's like we, if you're, if you're thinking about like, Hey, something I might want to take Maybe the Bills to win the division might not be a bad play. Yeah. If and they're like what, like plus two fifty right now or something like that to win the division. So you know that's that's pretty pretty decent odds. And Josh Allen, if he can have a great end of the season here, yep. And really, if they do do this, if they do do that, you know that Josh Allen has absolutely played his mind out of control. So right. you know, I would think that Josh Allen might be playing himself back into MVP territory. Wow. If if that's the case. So especially if they go out and beat Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Uh so, you know, to me, I do think Buffalo is alive. I think they're well. And I think that they have a great opportunity this Sunday to take control of their season back. But it's all going to depend on their coach. Their coach really messed up at the end of the game yep. with the time management and everything like yep. that. Yep. I thought that that was a, a rough go for them. So, you know, they got lucky with the offsides penalty. Sometimes you need a couple of bounces your way. Um, we had two upsets on Monday Night Football. Two games, by the way, that I really didn't want to watch because I thought they were both going to stink. And they both ended up being. It was awesome. They both ended up being great finishes and great games. The the the, the obviously the most surprising win was the the Titans beating the Dolphins in a game, by the way, where Derrick Henry had 17 carries and 34 yards, and they still <laughs> won the game. Hey, I mean, credit Will Levis, man. I mean, Will Levis made some unbelievable throws yep. down the stretch. The Titans tried to give that game away yep. late in the game. And, of course, if you had the 13 points like I did, I was ripping my <laughs> hair out when the Dolphins <laughs> ended up losing. But, um, you know, it, it was it was ridiculous. But you had that game. You had DeVito going down the field, left and right, Paisans right. all in the sand, <laughs> the, the little Asa. I mean, was great. it was yeah. it was. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that and there's agent on the side looking like Christopher How about that Mocasante. Guy? Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> holy cow! How many guys do we know? The great, the late great John Clark knew plenty of guys like he that. did. I mean, that, that made me think of John. It really did. It, 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 it was like uh, that. That's like one of John's buddy's kids. Yeah. You know, You're like that's really yeah. is. So, so, so I was just, I was, I was laughing so hard, but you know what, Gene, I, the best part about that night, I thought the double header on Monday night was awesome. I think they should do that every week. I mean, I, I, if you can flip back and forth, you've got, you know, if one game sucks and the other game is good, you could flip back to that. Right. But both games, it was like watching, it was like watching the final game of like a group stage in world cup. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. like it was, it was exciting. Yeah. Both of those games and that both teams, both teams with playoff implications, playing teams that had no business being there and two upsets, like, it was really cool. I think they should do that way more often on ESPN. Well, and you know the funny part is, and, and, and look, I'm not you know under any illusions that they're going to do this, but the New York Giants are still in a position where they could sneak into the playoffs if they have a strong finish. Now, I don't think it's likely because they have to play the Eagles twice, but but you know, but having said that, I mean the fact that they are still in the conversation this late <laughs> in the season with Tommy DeVito at quarterback is pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what a story! Yeah. You know, you love t- the Tommy Cutlets, right? I mean, that's the whole—that's the whole thing. He is living every Italian American Jersey boy's dream. It's I mean, he's the unreal. new Jersey boy. That is unreal. So, yeah, yeah you got—you got to love that. And I hope that, uh, hey, maybe you know, out of nowhere, maybe they show up, they uh, and a miracle happens, and they beat the Eagles, which is completely—that would be ridiculous if that happened. Right. But you know, if they do that, you know, all of a sudden. 
like the Giants do have a shot. Like right. there's no, there's a, it would be the story of the year, oh. and I hope it happens because I would much rather have that than Desmond Ritter and the Falcons playing in the right. playoffs or something ridiculous like that. No, ma- no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, Tommy DeVito will never have to buy a drink in Northern New Jersey or New York City ever again. No, <laughs> ever again. It's the greatest, greatest Italian story since oh. Rocky Balboa. It's awesome. <laughs> All right, let's get to this week's games. We got uh, we got plenty to talk about. We've got three games on Saturday this week, and uh, let's let's talk about one of them: um, the Minnesota Vikings at the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. The Bengals are a three-point favorite at home, and you know what? Uh, what a great story the Bengals have been, huh? I mean, losing your starting quarterback. You know, and and having you know your backup come in and Jake Browning and play the way that he has played, and there was some talk this week that that locker room is a lot more relaxed and a better place to be, and and without Joe Burrow, because uh, the comments I saw hmm. was basically is Joe Burrow is more focused. You know, he'll come. You know, he'll be in the locker room. He'll look at you, and then he'll just keep on moving. Jake Browning's in there yucking it right. up with guys, and it's a much more relaxed atmosphere. Maybe it's because they're playing with house money. They know with, with Flacco out, nobody expects anything, and, and maybe that's why they're loose. But uh, Jake Browning's been a pretty good story. Unbelievable story. And, and you know, he's waited his entire career to, to be able to showcase his talents. This guy was a top high school recruit in the country uh, out west. He goes to Washington. He gets Washington to the playoffs. Uh, you know, and then he kind of he kind of goes to the NFL and, has been a journeyman. We haven't really heard much from him right. his five years, Gene. But guess who was the team that sat him on their practice squad for two years in the in the beginning? That would be the Minnesota Vikings. Really? Was the team that had oh, wow. him. So this is a little bit of a revenge game for mm-hmm. Jake Browning to showcase what he's got. And I'll tell you something, Gene. I don't know if you had the audacity to watch the Vikings-Raiders game I did last not. weekend. I did not. Uh, I have a brother who in Indiana who's a huge Vikings fan, and he texted me and he said, "I can't believe I just sat through that whole game, <laughs> three to nothing. Yep, yep, three to nothing. Kill it me. was absurd. <laughs> so you know, I, I yes, literally. So so to me, look, the Vikings they snuck one out. It was it was a huge win for them, obviously with playoff implications. They got Nick Mullins going this week mm-hmm. versus Jake Browning, and I know the Vikings blitz a lot. Jake Browning has been money against the blitz in his tight window throws over the last three weeks. Nobody has more yards in tight window throws. Right. So with a receiver separation of one yard or less from the defender, than Jake Browning other than Dak Prescott. Okay. So Jake Browning has been outstanding against the blitz. I think they're going to neutralize it with the screen and short passing game as well. I like the Bengals this week. Okay. Uh, let's uh, another game on Saturday. Um, we we spent a lot of time talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers at the start of this show. Uh, they are at Indianapolis. The Colts are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Colts right now sitting, yeah. sitting in playoff position, but it is tenuous at best. Oh, my gosh, is it? I mean, we talked about the luck, and it finally ran out right. last week against Cincinnati, right? Now, Pittsburgh's had 10 days off after getting – smacked around by two win teams the last two weeks. I think there's got to be some type of motivation here. And to me, I think Tomlin won't be, won't be uh, slow to pull the trigger if Trubisky starts sticking it up again. I think he'll go to Mason Rudolph if he needs to. Okay. So, you know, to me, I get both. You don't have a very good option right. at quarterback. Right. There's no question about that. But the Steelers did one thing a couple, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. They were, they were leading the league. Uh, over a three-game span in in rushing yards per carry, mm-hmm. and they got to be able to find a way to do that this week uh, against the Colts. I think they can do it. I think the Colts are vulnerable against the run, uh, but the, the Steelers got to play better in the secondary as well. Right. You know, I, I want I, I, my my head, my heart kind of tells me to take the Colts here, but my head something tells me that Tomlin, this is his spot. This is he's got to rally the troops here. Normally he's great as an underdog. I'm going to take him one more time. I'm going to take the Steelers to squeak this game out. Yeah. I mean, and I think, you know, this is one where if they don't win this game, you know, they're, they're basically done. I would think, I would think. 
Uh, oh yeah. You know, the, I mean, the, the, this is a this is a this is a this is a winner go home game. Yeah. Here. Yeah, because you know. of, of the uh, of the four games they have left on their schedule, I mean they've got they've got a tough road and they finish out the season at Baltimore. So if they need a win at the end of the season, that's going to be a tough one. So they've got to get these ones that are yeah. that are winnable games. All right, let's uh, let's go to Green Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay pulls huh. out. Tampa Bay pulls out the win last week. Uh, Green Bay lays a little bit of an egg last week, uh, but look, Green Bay right now and Tampa Bay are playoff teams at six and seven. Mm-hmm. God, the NFC's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite at home. Yeah, and look, look, Green Bay losing on Monday night. They they go on the road to the Giants. They get upset. And I think a lot of it really had to do with, look, they're banged up, man. I mean, they're banged up on, on offense. You know, Christian Watson not being there, he's probably not going to play again this week. Uh, A.J. Dillon hasn't practiced all week. Aaron Jones is limited in practice, but, Dillon's got you know, a broken, again, Dillon has an older a, guy. Dillon has a broken thumb. He's probably he's not playing. Yeah, he's not going to play. Yeah. So so there you go. And then, of course, in their secondary, they've been banged up. And right. all the Bucks are going to want to do is throw the football. Right. So, you know, the Bucks know they can't run the football, even though you can run on Green Bay. But this secondary is so banged up, and defense is so easy to, to kind of to, to predict that, you know, it's hard to look at Green Bay right now and, and have a lot of confidence. You know, Love has played good. Yep. Uh, but here comes another blitz-heavy, schemed-well defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've played the last few weeks, and both this is the third highest blitzing rate team in the league. The Giants and the Vikings are the only other two teams that blitz more than the Bucks. Right. So, and the Bucks are getting healthy. They're getting Devin White back. It sounds like it sounds like they're getting Jamel Dean back at corner. You know, to me, I, I know it's scary taking Baker on the road here, but he's been much better as a dog. So I'm going to take the, the the Bucks to to win and fire the cannons. Wow! In Green Bay in the Battle of the Bays. Listen, in the Battle of the Bays in December, are you going to Wisconsin or are you going to Florida? <laughs> right. That's my question. <laughs> I'm going to Florida. That's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, let's uh, let's go to Cleveland now. The Chicago Bears and their uh, their quarterback Justin Fields, who is playing well, at the Browns. The Browns are a three point favorite in this one. Yeah, they are, but the Browns are real again another team that is really banged up. Yep. They've got injuries all across the offensive line. Injuries they they just put Grant Delpit, their safety on the on the IR. Juan Thornhill hasn't practiced this week. Their other safety, Garrett, is questionable for the mm. game. Mm. Um, they got two defensive linemen that probably aren't going to play again. Like wow. they are really banged up, and 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 on top of it, Hunt and Ford. Are on the are on the are on the injury list this week for practice. Oof. So you know they may good. play, but I mean, <laughs> no, I mean they're really banged up. Yeah. Now, granted, the Bears they just lost Yannick Ngakwe um, to a broken ankle. He's done for the year, so that's a real issue. But Montez Sweat has been the bright spot. I mean, yes, they probably shouldn't have made that trade, but since they have made it, he's played really well yep. for them. I think the Bears' defense is still playing well. And I think really for, for Fields, again, targeting D.J. Moore will be key for them to win this game. I think that the defense of the Browns, who hasn't played well for the last five games, the defense of the Browns has given up 323 yards per game Oof. and 31 points per game. Yikes. So that historic yeah. Browns defense hasn't been so historic no. in four of the last five weeks. I think the Bears will find a way again to win this game and I'm liking the Bears down the stretcher. They could be like like last year's Lions really played well down the stretch. That's what the Bears seem to be doing as they go towards a possible number one pick as well. I'm going to apologize before I tell you the next game. Just I'm just apologizing ahead of time oh, that boy. I'm going to have you pick. Here we go. Uh, we're going to New Orleans. The New York Giants at the New Orleans oh, Saints. My God. And I'm giving you this game. Look, hey, look, you know, like it or not, somebody's got to win. The NFC South, right? And you got three teams at six and seven. So uh, I could look. I could have been. It could have been worse. I could have given you the Falcons game. So I'm going to go with the Saints game, and I'm doing it because of Tommy DeVito. <laughs> look, Gene, I-, I could give you stats up and down for this game. Uh, there are no two worst teams that I want to look at than these two teams. <laughs> That's why I gave it to uh, you, buddy. <laughs> they're incredibly difficult to predict. Yep. To me. I throw my hands up and I say, Kindan Andiamo, let's go, DeVito. I'm taking the Giants <laughs> to win this game and upset the Saints. 
I don't see why the Saints would be six point favorites against anybody. anybody. Right. I mean, I think that, <laughs> including Carolina. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah. Including Carolina. And granted, look, they blew Carolina out. Carolina made so many mistakes. Carolina is truly the worst team in the league. They yeah. can do nothing right. No. So, you know, the Giants have some inspiration going down to New Orleans. I get they won on Monday night, but you know I'm gonna ride the the, the red, white, and green all day long. So that, that's going to be me. I'm right. going to go with the veto. All right. So uh, we've picked five games so far. You've picked four dogs. Uh, let's see if that continues. Perfect. We're, we're <laughs> at we're at Buffalo. Buffalo, a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home <sighs> against the Cowboys. Yeah, this is a hard game. This is a surprise. i, I got to be honest. A- i got to be honest. This was a surprising spread to me. I actually expected Dallas to be favored in this game. You would think, right? Yeah. But what does that tell you? You know, I mean, I think it's I, – I, a lot of it tells me that the, this is a bad spot for the Cowboys. I mean, you've got you've got the, the them coming off of that Sunday night win, and they're, right. they're high, they're big in their britches and, right. and all that stuff. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but Buffalo, you know, at the same time as they won that game and their season is alive and they're going to play tough, they're at home – they got really lucky, <laughs> like really yeah. lucky yeah. to to win that game. So, you know, as well as they played down the stretch, this is a much tougher offensive line to yep. deal with, a much tougher. I think the defensive the front up front for Buffalo is going to give them a lot of – Parsons and Lawrence are going to give the Bills fits. I mean, they really are. So it's a tough game. I'm going to take Dallas. I, I know it's a bad spot for them, but – I just think they match up better versus this Buffalo defense and offensive line. And Josh Allen is going to have to play superhuman for him to for them to win this game. So yep. I I feel gross about it. I don't feel good about it, but I'll take the Cowboys. Well, you know, it, the, the funny part is that there's two things here. Number one, I'm wondering if some of this is – look, Dak Prescott's having a hell of a year, but I still think there are a lot of people that – aren't buying in completely to what Dak Prescott is doing. Look, this is a guy that doesn't play well down the stretch. He's got a terrible record in playoff games. And I'm just wondering if some of that is a a product of of them not having full confidence in him. I don't know how you don't at this point. I mean, the guy's played better than anybody in the league. I agree. I agree. I mean, he, he really has. Uh, and I get it down the stretch. Like, historically, hasn't been great. This is his best year since his rookie year. Right. So, you know, and he's as mature as he's been. The, the the offense has been as methodical as it has been all year. You know, I think McCarthy has been absolutely outstanding at calling that offense. The defense with Dan Quinn has been lights out for the most part. Um, they've had a couple of games here and there, and this could be a tough one for them because they got to deal with Josh Allen. But, you know, I think this team has gelled so well together. I, I shudder to say this, but is there not a better chance for Dallas than there ever has yeah. been before yeah. to at least make a run at the championship game? Yeah, I think. mean, this really, you would think, right? Yeah. I, I, they're a different team in the playoffs, though. I don't know. I am I want to believe, but I know how this story usually ends. It's got the biggest over-under of the week as well, 50 and a half. It's a pretty big number. Oof. Yeah, that's a big go. number. All right, uh, so five out, of, uh, five out of six dogs now, but I think the trend is going to end right here. Um Despite getting punched in the mouth last week and despite the fact that they are on the road, the Philadelphia Eagles, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the sinking Seattle Seahawks. Sinking is right. I mean, at least two. I mean, you want to talk about a, a, a shipwreck that's been Seattle. They are the Edmund Fitzgerald. I mean, they are just, <laughs> they are just not playing well, aren't they? I mean, yeah. like, you know, I, they lose to the Rams. They lose to the Niners twice. They get blown out by the Niners. Um, you know, and then they get Philly. It's like, forget it. You know, I mean, Philly, Philly knows now, like, look, if they don't win this game, like, yes, they have an easy schedule down the road, but if they don't win, this is a really important game for the Eagles. You know, I mean, this is their last real quote unquote tough game against a team that has the talent that can semi match up to them. Right. You know, and they have the coaching staff, right? I mean, so, you know, to me, I think Philly's going to come out inspired, um, look, everybody's counting them out. They got, they played two, they've played tough game after tough game after tough game. And now they finally get some rest to get an extra day of rest. Um, you know, I, I like hurts. The problem I have here is that 
you know, Hertz on night games has been good, but on the road, he's been much worse. I mean, right. he's had a rough go of it on the road. And I think limiting those turnovers has got to be the key for Jalen Hurts this week. If he can do that and, and, and can Seattle exploit that back end of the Philly defense? I mean, I, I, this is a hard game. I think Philly squeaks it out. But I will not be surprised if the Seahawks find a way to win this game. I, I really won't. I think this could be a, an upset. You know what? Forget it. Let's, we're the dogs all week. I'm switching. Give me the Seahawks. I'll oh, talk kid- myself into you're it. You're kidding me. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I had already circled Philly. <laughs> you better not, nah, you better not tell your wife. Off, I'm you better, the Seahawks. You better not tell your wife you just picked the Seahawks to beat the, the Eagles. I, I've talked myself into it. I'm talking myself into it. We're going, if we're going to go dogs, we're going to go all the way. Let's take it. Let's oh, go Lord. Before I let you go, hey, uh, your coach up at Liberty, uh, Jamie Chadwell, named the uh, Power Five uh, or the, I guess it's the Group of Five uh, Coach of the Year after uh, sending them uh, to a 13-0 record, and he's a finalist for a National Coach of the Year. So uh, some good things happening up there. Yeah. Bowl game, Fiesta Bowl, Bear Bryant Award, probably around $4 million will do you some good, won't it, when you get to that bowl game. That's that's never a bad thing. (laughs) Never a bad thing. I agree with that. So I'm I'm very pleased, and it's an exciting time here. I tell you what, if, if, by the way, if they, if they win the Fiesta Bowl, I am going to be, I am going to become, I will, matter of fact, I'm going to tell you right now, if they win the Fiesta Bowl, I am going to get on the Liberty Merch site the next day and buy a Liberty football and buy a Liberty football Jersey. If they, if they win the Fiesta bowl, I love it. I will be, I will be sporting Liberty flames gear down here in Western North Carolina. I'll tell you that right now. And, and you will have a happy new year. You will have a happy 2024. (laughs) My friend, uh, listen, thank you for joining us. Uh, We've got one more before Christmas. so I'm not going to wish you a Merry Christmas yet, but uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Gene, God bless. You're the best. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Monday with another edition of The Wake Up Call. A little Christmas music on the way out. Here's High Valley and Go Tell It on the Mountain. See you on Monday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.